Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 58 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. It's been a week since we concluded the daily podcast adventure, coming through 30 episodes in 30 days, and that final episode of that arc was Flourishing Finish. And it can seem a bit strange to pick up where a finish line has left off, but that's really what it is, ever the extension into new beginnings. It also has seemed like forever when we have that daily dose and that regular input to then go a week. It can seem like so much time has passed, and also it goes by so quickly. Because as I mentioned in that final episode, many other pieces have shown up and many other challenges have transpired. And I'll give you the feedback on how things are going, which are being upheld, which are needing a little more nurturing, and we can see what opportunities have arisen. I'm curious for you, what's come up after coming through that 30-day experience? And perhaps you listened to all 30, maybe you listened to one, perhaps you heard the conversations that also emerged during that time, and what did you notice through that experience of recognizing a challenge, stepping into a new opportunity, and experiencing growth? What comes up for you. So for me, just knowing that it was possible to see that those 30 episodes in 30 days, just like the swimming for those 100 plus days over the summer and well into the autumn season was possible. Just that to say, well, then what else? What else could be? What else can I extend to myself to do? And like I shared with you, a challenge is always appreciated, rising to that challenge. And let me dive into some things that have been happening just this past week and to see what lessons have emerged, what gifts have been unwrapped in this time. So the original challenge I talked to you about was the Living Conceivable daily emails coming out. And those have. Those are available. And if you'd like to sign up, I'll put the link to be on that email list in the show notes here. So we can put that in the success category if we're counting success as expectation established and met, right? The daily emails have gone out for this past week. I also put out there as I looked at those different ways of being, right, those different roles in the intro to this osteopathic life musician felt like one that hadn't gotten as much attention, hadn't been nurtured as effectively. And so I put the challenge out there to myself to play my cello for 10 minutes each day. And that's happened. I'm really pleased to say, and this might be the one, if I had to pick the one that has meant the most to me in this time, that one really feels great. And like most things, 10 minutes was the minimum. And I've exceeded it most days because once you get the cello out and you tune it up and you start playing, you stay with it, right? You feel intrigued and encouraged. And some days you don't. Some days 10 minutes is all that's available and that's totally okay. But many times I've played for longer than that. And it's also led to encouraging my children to play and offering the opportunity for my oldest son to teach me some chords on the guitar. And so we'll see what expansion comes in that musical space by just setting that relatively low bar. 10 minutes might seem like a lot. So maybe it's one minute. Maybe it's getting out the instrument and tuning it. Maybe it's just sitting down at the piano that's in your house and playing one note, right? Can we set it to a space that seems so doable? It's almost impossible not to do it. 
And then what does it open up the opportunity to experience? Now, the one that has not come to fruition as effectively has been the 1K words per day, right? The writing piece started out strong, but finding that space, both literally physically in the space around me, I work from home currently. What I'm realizing is what comes up, what comes through, what I'm sensing, what I'm hearing from my internal response is that I need a space that feels like a writing space. So in that place of generation and creativity, and I create a lot, right? These podcasts I can record in most spaces, but this act of writing feels more like it needs some dedicated nurturing space. And that can still be within my home, but even putting up a certain chair or putting on some certain background music, whatever it is that can tune in. So that's something I'm exploring because it has not come through as consistently. And oftentimes it will be left to later in the day. And so moving it up, moving it up to that more dedicated, constructive, creative thinking time. So that one, there is still challenge and that's okay. It's a learning experience. I know I can rise to the occasion, but I want to share another lesson that's really come through strongly just in this week. And we could say in this month, because we're in the new month of December, but what's come through is that, yes, I have a track record for rising to the occasion and powering through, muscling through, being strong in a challenge, right? Holding up those threads of consistency, looking at these different margins and timelines and boundaries and honoring them. And the gift that's really come through and the lesson that's really come through in this time is, when can I let that go? And actually, that's a muscle that requires more development for me, just like with the swimming. It was almost a guarantee and almost perhaps we could look at from an obsessive standpoint, have to do it, right? Even on those days when the water was crazy tumultuous. And so let's just jump in and move the arms around, right? And so we can say that we did it. And it was still purposeful, but we could see where it's, we're doing this thing because we said we're going to do it. And that is where we are. Every day there was absolutely a choice. I could have opted out of the water each and every day. And I tend toward that more is better mindset. I'm aware of that, honoring that, working with that, perhaps looking to modify and maybe ease into it in a different way. But seeing the opportunity to say, yes, this is the commitment. This is the promise. This is the plan. This is the strategy. This is the challenge. And I am willing and able to tune into myself, to tune into my needs, my wants, the messaging that my body is sending me and adapt or abandon whatever that framework is, if that is what is best for me. And we can expand that best for, is it best for me? Is it best for my family? Is it what is needed and appropriate at this time? And if I think about that through the osteopathic concept, this idea of structure and function and the framework and allowing it to be a flexible framework. So absolutely, we can hold to this, knowing our why, right? Knowing the why of extending that swim from solstice to equinox, And beyond, in honoring that commitment, living into that space of I'm a person who shows up every day and swims, and in the writing, looking at why. Why is this not as consistent? And what would it take to clear the path to make this a much more reliable engagement? And we can see the circumstantial components, right? Finding the space, but also believing. I'm a person who writes a thousand words per day. And looking at where I already have some proof of that, where I can live into it more, and where I can strengthen that belief so I can really lean into that possibility and create that result. Now, two things have happened in this time. I'm also in a challenge around the holidays that looks at health-oriented practices 
and it looks at movement and it looks at nutrition and it looks at mindset, right? And it really looks at tuning into ourselves and listening for the signals of our body, in particular around the signal of hunger and recognizing that many times we're eating not out of necessity or enjoyment, but out of stress or out of avoidance, right? It's a way that we're managing uncomfortable feelings with this act, often mindlessly, right? Tapping in and just picking something up and eating it. And I can remember the first time I did a Whole30, right? And we talked about this a little bit in the past, where in my clinic at that time, there were always lifesaver mints on the front desk, usually for the patients as they were departing. And oftentimes I would walk up and check out my patient, just grab one and eat it. Not because I wanted one or needed one, maybe we could look at that component of it, but it was just literally because they were there, right? And it was just a habit that became ingrained. And on the whole 30, I remember the first day and I picked it up and I went to eat it. I thought, wait, right? This isn't compliant because there is sugar in this, but also why am I doing this? And just that act of pausing to say, do I want to still do this? And seeing how that applies in all of these different challenges. Every time I packed up to go to the beach to get in the water saying, do I want to still do this? Yes, I'm still choosing to do this. And some days could be more enjoyable than others, but the choice was always emphatic in that space. And so in this challenge and around the practice of fasting, and we could talk about this and the principles and the physiology behind it and the different ways it can be utilized in the reasons we should or should not engage in fasting and absolutely consult with your physician. If you have a trainer, if you have a nutritionist, look in that space because it is a personalized, individualized experience. And in general, I fast for the most part, we all do, right? We fast overnight, generally speaking, although I have a friend right now who is waking up in the middle of the night to fuel to accommodate some increased levels of training. And we can look at the purposefulness there as well. But we fast overnight, and then we all choose to eat at certain times during the day. And we all have different needs, again, different physiologic needs. But for me, I feel better and do better when I don't eat in the morning, right? I often train fasted because my training is usually in the morning. That feels better to not have anything in my stomach. And this was relatively true for me. Even back in high school, there would be that carb loading and often bagels, if we're going to be honest about the consumption in the 90s for me. But it didn't feel good right, to have food in my stomach anywhere within kind of those couple hours before racing or even training. And in triathlon, I would fuel in the mornings because I knew where I was going to fuel this event that was going to happen often for an extended time. But for the most part, training fasted feels better for me. And so generally, I won't eat until midday. And that could be somewhere between the noon and 2 p.m. That's a pretty typical window where I will begin to eat for the day. And I aim to be done eating by 8 p.m. For that going to bed, not again feeling full, but also to prevent nighttime snacking because that it can be a space where I eat not for nutritional content for Enjoyment, yes. And if it is out of enjoyment, I'm choosing it. I can embrace that, absolutely. But oftentimes out of this feeling stressed or feeling distracted or having to do some task instead of doing it, turning to food. So it's tapping into the why am I eating and what does hunger feel like? Am I answering hunger and how am I engaging with food? Am I seeing it as fuel? Am I able to enjoy the beauty and the taste and the love and the effort that has gone into growing it? All those different pieces. And in this time, and I even think I talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, there have been the 24-hour fast experiences. And so that would mean eating dinner, let's say around 6 p.m., and then not eating again until the following day at dinner at that same time. And for me, it's not a massive change in the interval, right, going from that 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's a few hours, but it can be noticeable. But what it also does is it means eating 
a relatively high volume of food because I train quite a bit. I'm pretty physically active. And I always have eaten a fairly large amount, right? When I go to restaurants, a place and order, people often think I'm ordering for multiple people and it's just for me. And seeing that, but I don't eat that volume in one sitting, right? And I'm not looking to have any calorie deficit. That's not the goal here, but just that feeling of fullness, right? In the sometimes comfort that comes along with it or discomfort, if we're trying to increase the volume of intake and then seeing that the window is pretty narrow. Because again, if I'm eating quite late, I don't want to eat much later than 8 p.m. And so I have a small amount of time to get in the fuel for the day. And so this week, what I noticed was I got really full so I didn't eat as much. And then I went into the next day and same thing, I ate during my normal window, but I also felt pretty full and then just didn't feel like eating. I didn't feel particularly hungry. The food wasn't all that interesting to me. And so I didn't eat. And then I got to this space around 9 p.m. where I was kind of hungry, but it was later than I would normally eat. And my initial instinct was to say, well, it's after 8 p.m. and we're not gonna eat, right? And I sat in that space and I had some work to do. And as time went on, I wasn't feeling great. You know, I just, I could tell I wasn't quite right. And I thought I could just go to bed, right? It's getting late and prioritizing sleep. We've heard that here a number of times. And then I also thought, I think this is hunger, right? I'm hungry. And even though it's not the window in which I would normally eat, if the goal, if the task here is to tune in, to listen to that messaging, to answer the needs of my body, to honor hunger when it shows up, that means not holding to these strict windows, not looking at these frameworks as absolute, because then it is ignoring all of those signals and just putting in this blanket framework, which I have a massive aversion to, right? Algorithmic and categorical cookbook type practice of medicine was the first thing that really struck me in my postgraduate training. And I said, no, this is not for me, right? Because there are individuals on the other side of that door, sitting on that table in the conversation with me. And yes, it can be great to have this idea and framework and evidence, absolutely. But I'm still here for this one person in this one moment. And remembering that for me, because so many times we take ourselves out of those equations and say, I should be able to, right? These are the criteria. These are the ideals. These are the expectations. These are the rules. These are the expectations. These are the shoulds. So let me hold hard and fast to those and what this invitation was. Because you could hear all of that and say, you're crazy, right? Why are you fasting? Don't do that. You exercise too much. You need to eat. Right? Fuel is important. And I had all of those internal dialogues. I've had them externally shared with me for those around me. And I know it's coming from a place of love and care and compassion. But what I absolutely believe is this was a totally purposeful, right? Out of the grand wisdom and intention of the universe, learning moment to say, yes. There is fasting. And yes, you can do it, right? Proving to myself that I can power through is not the question here. But to be able to say, can you override this framework, this expectation, these hours and windows, and be willing to listen deeply to you, to what's coming up, to how your body is messaging to you, and answer that, and let go of whatever the time on the clock might say, whatever the rules of the eating might be, and say, I am hungry. I choose food at whatever time because it's what my body is requesting of me right now. And I can honor this decision that I'm making for myself. And now this might seem ridiculous. It might seem extreme. It's like you're hungry, eat. But just notice how many times we don't tune into that. 
And we do look for external guidelines, external repercussions, right? All these things that serve as the bumpers to keep us in some certain lane. And that the strength and the act of bravery and courage can be in that simplest thing of at 10.30 p.m. making an egg and cutting up an apple and eating it with nut butter. And yes, actually adding some chocolate into the mix as well. And that's something to think about because waiting until those extremes, right? Oftentimes it can push us into choices we might not make if we were to engage ahead of time, you could say, or at an earlier stage, right? But because I had that window where I thought it's later than I would normally eat, so I'm not gonna eat, I'm just gonna blast fast through whatever that might be, right? That can push you to a space where then we are making less helpful decisions, right? less healthy decisions of the food that we're consuming. And I'm totally okay, I fully supported the beautiful, oh my gosh, any kind of holiday treat where it's shaped like the holiday thing, why does it taste so much better? And of course, I go back to Little Debbie snack cakes in school and Reese's that are shaped like pumpkins and trees. And there is a fancy version, right? The organic version of a peanut butter cup that's shaped like a Christmas tree. It's magical, right? I just enjoy it so much more than in the original shape. But peanut butter cups themselves can be delicious too. But I digress. (laughs) The point here being, being willing to step beyond and step through whatever expectation there was. And it doesn't mean abandoning ship. And it doesn't mean not adhering to a goal or a principle. And I'm looking at that for this perspective of writing, right? There's some space where probably a little more stringency there would be helpful. But also tuning in, like what is the resistance here, right? What is holding me back from putting those words on the page? Because I have no problem with content creation. But it's putting the words on the page toward a book, right? That becomes a little more challenging. And we could see in there both concerns of failure, fear of failure, but really also that fear of success. Like when it's all put together, what happens then? Then I'm a person with a book. And what do I have to do with that? What is the expectation there? And so investigating that gently, thoughtfully, purposefully along the way and putting in place the most likely steps to make that idea come to fruition. And I believe this moment which just happened yesterday, last night, of hearing this message differently from myself and saying, self, I have you. I got your back in this. I'm going to step through whatever time it is on the clock. And it's just you and me right, tapping into this feeling, listening in and saying, what do you need? And I'm willing to do that. I'm going to let go of whatever expectations, whatever framework and ramifications I have developed because I have stepped into those. People can suggest things to you, but we are agreeing to them for ourselves. And I'm going to honor what's being asked of me, what's being expressed to me in this moment. And I think about those times when I haven't. I think about those moments of messaging that preceded the different injuries I've had, the abdominal tear, right? There were inklings of my body saying like, too much, enough. And not necessarily around exercise, but as I share with you, that moment in time was working all kinds of hours, managing the gym without enough help and delegation. We'll talk about that concept in just a moment, right? engaging in all kinds of different community events, all things that are fabulous and that I loved, but in an unsustainable way. And so my body would give me these little whispers of like, slow down, take a rest, you know, eat more, whatever it might be. And my mind overrode that and said, no, right? This is what's expected. This is what's needed. This is what I can do. So I'm doing it, right? And then bam, right? It was a massive body experience of, no, you're not. And let me offer you this very clear way to know that less is more right now. 
and rest is more right now. And being still is what's being asked of you. And I'll share with you because recently I have been listening to Will Smith's autobiography, Will. And we could look at that right from the name and from the interpretation of the word and what a gift to even have that. It's resonated with me on so many levels. And I'm nearing the end of it. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't want it to end. But also, right, there can be a sequel. His story continues to go. But also, it's an invitation to explore my story through that lens of what lessons are there. And there's been many common themes throughout. Now, I am not the greatest movie star of all time. And that has not been on my aspiration list. But that's not the point. It's not the specifics. It's the energy of the experience and the lessons that have been offered. And seeing that and seeing the resonance in these most recent moments. And that being one, right, the chapter I'm in right now, he is struggling to be still and in the moment and not be doing something and working toward a particular goal. And I had that offered to me many times by some beautiful people in my life of, hey, right, what if, what if less is more? And what if the doing can take a pause? And I'm opening to that. And literally, that came in the way of making eggs and cutting up an apple and having some nut butter and a spectacular Christmas tree-shaped peanut butter chocolate concoction at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. And so these lessons can present themselves in some of the least obvious ways, in the simplest ways, in ways that don't even seem like a thing because it's just the act of feeding oneself. But it is so much more than that because it's the act of tuning in to being willing to listen, to being willing to abandon ship and framework and expectations and goals, to say, I can tune into me and honor what I need, even if it doesn't match what might be outlined here. And so as we explore this, I want to also offer up the greatest success of this week. And that has been the onboarding of a virtual assistant. And this is something I've explored for a while in the act of having a virtual, meaning a work from home and international reach, online-oriented business. And there are a lot of tasks involved. And I have an amazing team of physician coaches with whom I work, and they take up the task of the coaching. And it's always so fascinating to me that delegating those big things, right, the active one-on-one and group work of coaching fellow physicians and healthcare professionals, right, comes up. And that I can know and trust with relative ease because I know and I trust these physicians who are trained and we have relationships and I know the work that they're going to do. But delegating some of the more basic, we'll say, tasks is harder for me. And so much of these programs live in my head, in a lot of files on the computer, and communicating them out is something I'm working on. But I do a lot of the A to Z of bringing a project from idea to fruition and continuation. And I'm at the point where there is a need for help, for assistance. And it's hard for me, right? Delegation is not my strength. And I've had the great pleasure of bringing on a friend who is experienced in other arenas, not directly in the work that I'm doing, very purposefully, so that there can be this counterbalance, this visioning, and bringing a different set of skills and strengths, but also some common ways of communication and energy, into the experience. And so I will say that that has been my greatest victory of this week of following through on something that's been on the list of things to do for more than a year of beginning to hone in on the communication. And I say beginning because it is a work in progress. It's new for me. It's new for this person. 
and being able to come together and keep open the lines of communication to say, what's working for you? And how can we do this better? How can we offer one another more effective support and clarity? But even in these few days, just knowing that I can say, here's something that I want done. Here is the support I can offer you. And please make this happen. And let me know how I can be of use. And for this person to take it up and to make it happen. And we'll go podcast specific. I've had this podcast for three years. We're coming up to the end of season three. And it's been on Apple Podcasts. And that's pretty much it. And it felt successful to get it there because it took a lot to get it up on Apple Podcasts. It almost felt like a hazing process. And I have had on my list, right, get this on other platforms and just not taking it up because it wasn't the highest priority. There are many other things taking precedence and the podcast existed. I could send links to people, but it wasn't everywhere. And just in these couple days, right, she's made that happen. And I'm beginning to see, right, there's room, there's room for offering up an idea and giving someone freedom to take it up and make it happen in their way, offering them support and feedback, taking feedback as well, myself. It's going to be a huge growth practice there, right? How are things going for you? How could I say things differently? I'm going to learn so much from this experience and I already am. And seeing now too, how much more time and space can be freed up because I can hand this off. I can hand it off and have it given back to me in a more effective way, right? It can enhance the progress in so many different ways. And so it's the beginning again of of this relationship and this possibility. And even in the act, before any tasks were assigned or completed, just the knowing of someone being there helped reinforce and streamline the organization of my thoughts, practices, processes. I saw things in new ways. And so just recognizing the invitation we have, that synergistic effect when we come together and when we're willing to step into a space, I'm going to say of weakness, right? Delegation is not my strong suit. And we could even put it in that weakness category, right? It's proven. I've shared with you stories in the past where I'm the one, let me just do it, right? Let me just do it. I'll do all the things. I can do all the things, but should I, right? Is it the best use of my time, energy, of all those resources? And actually, what is the gift in handing this off? What is the gift for that person and the work that they get to do? What is the gift for me? and seeing it done in a different way? What is the gift of time and space and breath? What is the gift of growth in communicating in a different and more effective way and giving and receiving feedback purposefully on a regular basis? And what is that catalytic effect? And so looking at catalyst, an agent that provokes or speeds significant change or action. Now, I'm gonna offer up here today that it's not even about the speed, but just making it happen. Right? It did happen quickly, like I said, three years on to-do list and a day in action and podcast boom on all these different platforms. And now I can actually share this. Some of my siblings don't use the Apple platforms. And I can now say, this is available to you right, on a Google podcast, wherever you might be listening to those for you. But that making it happen and speeding up, not only we have to get there faster, but even in just the making it possible and seeing that too is expanding possibilities, right? Change can happen. Change in how I do things can happen. And just like that, right, that catalytic moment yesterday of I don't have to adhere to this stringent framework. There is room here. There is space here for me to listen to me, right? And for there to be a catalytic moment in this space. And so seeing where are those catalysts in your life? They might be people. They might be situations. They might be a challenge. And what are they helping you to 
evolve. Let's look at it that way. Right? It doesn't mean more, more faster, but simply something that's been waiting, waiting for you and waiting for the right moment and attention and skill sets to collide. And what might be that person, that event, that challenge, that task that brings it to fruition in a totally different way, that takes it off the wish list and puts it into the world and seeing the gift that comes from that. And I think about delegate, right? And think about what that means and how we can look at it with a little more purpose and perspective. So thinking about to assign responsibility or authority, and even that, you know, granting access to and noticing also how it helps you to organize and has for me significantly. If I'm going to show someone what's happening and share it with them, I'm going to do so in a clearer way. So it helps me hone in on programs. It helps me then see where are some gaps, where are some opportunities to streamline. So already, even if no one took up the task from here, the gift is in that new way of looking at it, the clarification that it offers, and even seeing for me, oh, these are some pieces that I might be missing. And here's how I can do that more effectively. But thinking about this, to appoint as one's representative, and even seeing a message that went out saying, right, I'm Amelia's new assistant. And just knowing like help is here. I have support. This team is with me. And I feel that very strongly with the coaches who are part of the programs I facilitate. And just on that, I'm an ambassador for, right? I'm a representative of, I'm here with. There's strength and power in that. And then also to entrust to another. And just that, right? to entrust to feel that connection and offer it up and to trust yourself enough to communicate it and to extend that trust to another and to have it reciprocated back to you. All of that is so valuable. And so that's where we are in this week of this month of the final month of 2021, the penultimate month of season three of this osteopathic life because we go through the end of January and seeing What's working as we expected? What's exceeding expectations? What isn't? And what lessons and gifts are available in there? And always embracing the opportunity to continue to see those threads of health woven through and where we can weave our intentions and our actions together in order to strengthen them. Thanks for being with me through the daily adventure. Thanks for coming back this week. We have some amazing conversations, episodes coming up throughout the next few weeks. I'm excited to share those with you. And as always, tune in, visit the website, get on the newsletter list, sign up in the link if you want to receive those daily emails from Living Conceivable and keep coming back on whatever platform you now choose. What a gift that is. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.